0: For fingerlakes1.com, I'm Josh Russo, and this is Inside the FLX. Our program today begins with a ribbon cutting ceremony, which was held earlier in the month. The Edith B. Ford Memorial Library in Ovid, New York, celebrated a multi-million dollar expansion, which was crucial for a whole lot of reasons. We have discussed on this program at length how libraries serve as the lifeblood of many small communities in the Finger Lakes, and the locally known Ovid Library is no exception. Uh, my guest this hour, Shannon O'Connor, uh, Edith Before Memorial Library Director, and Luke Hottie, the library's IT specialist. Uh, we're going to talk about the expansion, get into some of the exciting work uh, that the library has been doing to connect residents who might not have access to computers or high-speed internet and a bunch of other stuff, too, programs, etc. Thank you both for coming in today.
1: Oh, thanks, right. Josh.
0: Thank you. So... Uh, Shannon, I want, I want to start with the expansion because this is this is the news. This is the thing that you guys have been working on for years and years, and it mm-hmm. must feel incredible um, to to now really be in a place where you guys can kick things into high gear this summer.
2: Oh yes, I mean because we had run out of physical space for what our potential was before. So now with the expanded library, I mean, we just had a youth in there this morning on our way out who has been a library kid for ten years, and he walked in mm-hmm. today and was just so excited with all the spaces that are in there.
0: It, um, is that the is the wow factor, the the thing that you guys have noticed the most for the people who were used to what it was before uh, to what it is now?
2: Oh, definitely. And there's also, you know, we were limited to one room for the past year. So people were used to a very small condensed library. So to have all yeah. this space now, not only the wow factor, but people are pretty excited by the spaces that have been created. So now mm-hmm. we have, you know, a public art center in the forge, and so people are coming in and asking to teach classes for other community members. So woodworking, sewing, painting.
0: And and Luke, I just want to get get your perspective. Uh, having seen the project come and go now, what what are you feeling um, versus obviously Shannon, who who's sort of intricate into the process as more of a casual outsider who's also there every day and seeing this. What's it feel like?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So I've been at the library a much shorter amount of time, only about two years. So I saw the library for a brief window before, a whole lot of time during, and then now this brief window after. Um, And so it is, I mean, it's such a transformation Um, and it's been, it's been really interesting and really cool for staff because, you know, we're all clumped up in a very, very small space for a while. (laughs) We really got to know each other quite well. And then now we've sort of expanded out into our various areas, you know, working with more people, which is awesome, but we kind of, like, miss being so close together, which is funny.
0: I am am sure that that you you miss the the closeness, um, but I am sure that you guys are also super stoked about having that that space. For those who, who might not... Um, be caught up or, or up to speed in terms of what that process looked like, Shannon, um, just how long did it take and what was that part of it like living it every single day, sort of live, almost like living in a war zone, a construction zone um, for two full two full years, right?
2: Nope, just one.
0: One, one year. Yep. So the planning process was was before that and then the, the construction right. started. Um, what was that process like for you?
2: Right, because this has been a five-year process, because right. we started five years ago with identifying the need for some construction work that had to be done on the library, and the amount of work that was going to entail, it was, well, now is the time to expand to meet the needs of the community. Now is the time to do it. So it was many years of architectural planning, fundraising, and then for the year of actual construction, I mean, we didn't have indoor plumbing. We didn't have a restroom. We were using the porta-potty won't was snowing. Um, so that, that was tough. And not a lot of people were coming in and using the library. It was the real diehards because right. it was limited. Families couldn't come in, and then they couldn't have a restroom to use. So that wasn't so right. helpful. And it wasn't handicap accessible at that time
0: either. Right. So now where do we stand? What are all of the – I, I want to hear the full menu of amenities that you guys are able to sort of provide now in the space compared to what you were able to before. So, so walk us through a little bit of what those changes look like.
2: Well, the original building is a 1961 mid-century modern architectural building that had two floors, a top level, which was a collection up there, and a bottom level that was originally designed as a community room, and that's how we used it. But there's also part of the collection down there. So if you had a meeting or a class, you were downstairs of the basement, people would be walking down and getting books. It created an an odd flow of people. But now what we have is we have a gigantic youth room, and that's where Luke works out of, So now we've pulled the teens out of the library and they have a space to go, which now creates a very quiet atmosphere in the original building. So we have quiet adult reading areas that people are very happy to have now. Mm -hmm. um, Because we are known as quite a noisy library, but not anymore. (laughs) And then downstairs we created uh, an archival suite. So we have a local history room that people can go in and utilize. And then we have archival room where we're uh, containing all of our one-of-a-kind items, like our Willard scrapbook, and we have old photos and yearbooks that are in that room and now we also have a set classroom and then we have the forge the community art center
0: so to that end you kind of you you honed in on something that I think is pretty important to sort of talk about and highlight here um, you're serving a pretty diverse audience mm-hmm. and and this really this project and this expansion leverages your guys's ability to work on that and to make sure that you are able to serve all of these individual communities right so that the, the Older folks who want to use it for, say, a quiet reading space or just mm-hmm. want to do some research or the the teens who are there sort of socializing as well as yeah. using it as a learning space?
2: Correct. I mean, because we, you know, we provide educational resources, recreational resources, and we're also a social networking. I mean, this is where people come to get their social interaction a lot of times with mm-hmm. us or with their friends. So, yes, we have quiet spaces. We have noisier spaces. We even created a toddler play space in the lower level in the community room. And families have already been using it. They get to come in. They can use Wi-Fi. They can get work done. But their kids have a whole area to play in.
0: Mm-hmm. When you talk to other folks um, who, who might work in libraries or, or uh, lead libraries like you do, mm-hmm. um, what do you tell them in terms of um, being sort of that epicenter? Because, you know, I, I know I've been to a lot of other libraries. And... You know, even in some heavily populated places, they aren't nearly the community center that, that like, the Ovid library is, as an example. So uh-huh. what do you sort of tell those folks who who might be trying to capture a little bit of that and bring that to life in their own in their own library?
2: Well, I mean, part of it is because I live in the community, I'm raising kids in the community, so I want to feel that social connection and have connection to people and to build a network. Um, But you also need the staffing. I mean, the staffing is the key to do this. I mean, we have a diverse staff. I mean, we have an IT specialist, so we're doing technology things that most other libraries are not doing. We have an archivist who's working in that local history room, a librarian. Um, And to do this, I mean, it requires a lot of grant writing as well to Mm -hmm. get the programming in there, and that also
0: helps pay for the staff members. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, pat yourself on the back and talk a little bit about that because I think that is super interesting. People don't see that they don't see that part of the effort that goes into it that the members who are basically working day in and day out to make sure that the staff and that everybody who is there leading the charge can keep doing it um how much to give a little bit of perspective um, what would you say percentage-wise of your year is sort of dedicated if you're sort of quantifying it to having to make sure that all of your x's and o's are in line so that you know, the loops of the library can continue being the loops of the library.
2: Oh, it's probably a quarter of my job is just grant-focused. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not just me. I mean, I can help identify grants, help write the grants, but the staff also have been helping with the grant right. writing and reporting. And so that makes a difference, too. And they know that their job's contingent upon this, so we all <laughs> jump in and do it. Yeah. Uh, we recently, when we did that uh, IMLS grant mm-hmm. to do a local history project, I mean, that took staff, I mean, that was two weeks of our life that we dedicated
1: 50
2: 60 hour weeks each of us to
0: get that done and and to that end um, Luke you guys you don't stop doing the things that you're doing every day in that time or in that process you're continuing right
1: yeah actually the job is a lot more diverse um, and has a lot more going on every day than I thought when I started Um, because yeah there's we're looking for new grants we're grant writing working on all these different specialized projects according to our own skill sets and we're just being librarians and we're being you know stewards of the community so all the ones so now I want to focus a little bit on what's
0: coming up now that uh, you guys have this great new space. You have all this extra real estate down there. Um, what are some of the things that you guys have coming up, Shannon, uh, say in the next 30 to 60 days as as kids start to wrap up school here?
2: Well, I, we're going back to a lot of our arts programming. Tonight we kick off our first talk, which is Fishing in the Finger Lakes with Case uh, Staple from 630 to 730. Uh, we have a lot of art classes coming up, family, plein air painting, book, uh, book plate making, But then we also have a lot of kids' summer camps. So we have a two-week kid film lab camp for youth. We have a cooking camp. We have a comic creation camp. We like to get the kids in the library from 10 to one for these programs. Uh, Parents can drop off at nine, pick up at two. The kids can be there for a good chunk of the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And then for littler kids, we have summer reading programs on Wednesday mornings through all of July. We'll keep everyone busy. Oh, and then we also started a whole slew of weekly clubs. Okay. So we have our Dungeons & Dragons Club, the Knit & Chat for, for older people. We have a couple new book clubs coming up, our Sci-Fi book club, our YA book club.
0: Safe to say there's something for everybody, and there's almost always something going on, right?
2: There is. And then the la- fourth Saturday of each month, we're starting an adult game night. That'll run from 6 to 11 p.m., so a time when people would want to go out. And there's video games, board games... Um, we're kind of setting up like a cafe in the library
0: okay so let's let's talk a little bit IT let's talk technical Um, what is the what is the Edith B Ford Memorial Library doing um, that maybe some other libraries aren't doing and then also what what does the programming on the technical side look like in terms of uh, not just for you guys who are working there but for the community members who are coming in and uh, taking advantage
1: absolutely so um, we do have high-speed internet which is something that I feel like a lot of people take for granted, but around here it's not so common. So um, that's something that people will just come in and use our internet to check their email, you know, catch up on YouTube, all kinds of things um, that they would just rather do here than do at home. We also have a lot of computers available and a great variety of different machines for different purposes available too. So Mm -hmm. we have our standard um, patron PCs that you can just come and use whenever you want. We also have a mobile tech lab now, which is for higher end laptops that are for production software, you know, like your Adobe suite and 3D modeling, game design, um, gaming, um, which is what we're using for our our gaming programs as well. So they're just sort of our multi-use. And almost nobody in this area has access to that kind of equipment and hardware. In terms of also other equipment like we have a graphics tablet for the kids who want to get into digital painting or graphic design but Mm -hmm. don't have the funding or the resources for that kind of thing Um, going along that line our our programs are kind of going the same way where we want to be able to provide access to learning skills that um, you otherwise there's absolutely no way that you could get started on on your own with no resources Mm -hmm. Um, which and we feel like tech literacy um, tech education is really important in this area.
0: And it seems like we're starting to see a focus on that in in the K through 12 environment. Mm -hmm. Um, But really what it seems like you guys are doing, Shannon, is is building on that and then also filling some of the gaps that that aren't quite being met yet, right?
2: Well, correct. And also because we have someone like Luke on staff who can actually instruct people, we can work with smaller groups. So there can just be two or four adults who wanna learn a particular software and then we can just schedule a, a class around that or just a drop in one hour session with them to get them started and and to that and i
0: think we, we talked a little bit about it the last time you were here um what do you guys see in terms of the the greatest need in terms of bridging that gap between those who don't quite understand all the technology they they probably need to understand as they're moving into the the modern world um, versus where they need to be, and how do you guys sort of bridge that gap? I guess it would be fair to start with you, Luke, on this one.
1: I think the the greatest gap there is really equipment and resources. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of these people, especially you know kids, adults, everyone, they have the natural talent, they have the interest and the knack for it, and the passion and the drive, you know, to get it done. They just don't have access to the resources and equipment, and that's really what we want to be able to provide. Yep,
2: yeah, agreed. I, I think the access to the equipment and the software that is so expensive is absolutely necessary.
0: So obviously on the tech side, you might've hit a couple of them, but what what kinds of, um, I'm sure a lot of the folks who might be listening, I I know we have some uh, audience members who aren't that in tune with tech, and maybe some of them are thinking to themselves, I have these issues with various pieces of technology. I know some libraries have started doing these uh, basically Uh, tutorial sessions. Is Mm -hmm. that something that you guys have actually started to dabble in um, in terms of programming for not just young people to get them ready for um, the modern world, but also for some older folks who maybe Mm -hmm. um, don't quite understand how to get their, their smartphone Working or, or something to that effect.
2: Oh, that's a I and mean, those are constant every day And what we've done is we're trying to channel people into the Ford library on Fridays So from okay. Fridays from 9 to 5 you can book a librarian for an hour <laughs> and because all staff members are there on Fridays And so you can have any level of expertise, you know I could sit down and help you download ebooks, mm-hmm. but Luke can help you update your phone, or right? Rebecca can help you
0: print <laughs> yeah. yeah, so Luke expand on that a little bit. Um, just as you sort of see it over and over again, um, obviously our generation and generations behind us, they're living it every day,
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: but that isn't the case for everybody. Is that ever kind of a little bit surprising, I guess, in some ways that, you know, there is such a gap uh, with technology that's so prevalent and so common um, out beyond sort of the, the small neck of the woods?
1: Absolutely. So, um, yeah, we have people come in, like Shannon said, every day, you know, with all kinds of different issues from, you know, I can't sign into my email or I don't know how to get to Google, you know, all the way up to like, can you help me format my hard drive? You know, Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, there is. What, what i'm noticing a lot of is there's a lot of enthusiasm for for right. learning especially even in the much older generation i'm noticing there's a lot of like i want to learn how to use this tool um it's rather than oh the stupid phone won't work you know <laughs> um and so i really love like helping people because there is you know there's a lot of enthusiasm for learning and i love to teach people so and that's actually how i got started at this job. i was just teaching tech classes on um just all kinds of different, I taught a Photoshop class a couple of times um, and then they asked me to come on.
0: It's interesting that you you mentioned that particular, uh, you say that particular thing about smartphones because one of the things that we have seen or I have seen personally um, is sort of that that tolerance level for the amount of work that some people are willing to put into understanding something um, before they just give up on it, mm-hmm. and having that resource is almost like you guys, in some ways, are the last line of defense between <laughs> that person keeping their smartphone and throwing it in a lake and going back to a flip phone or a basic phone. Yeah, sometimes um, that has got to feel pretty good. It
1: has to, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love my job. I love yeah. what we do. Yeah.
0: So, all right, let's uh, switch gears a little, a little more. Um, the access side of it. it mm-hmm. we, we've talked some about that. Um, broadband access, that's something that, Shannon, the last time you were on, we talked about. Um, where do we stand now? What would you like to see be part of the next step as you guys continue to enhance what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you want to see the community around you guys advance with what you're doing?
2: Well, hopefully the people that are coming into the library to use the high-speed internet are realizing that this should be in our homes as well. I mean, I I don't have high-speed internet at my house. (laughs) Right. So uh, we're hoping that people, as they get more comfortable with technology and want to use it more, then they can be more of the pushback to, hey, let's make sure that this is available in our community because it's limiting employment growth in our area because businesses don't want to come in if they don't have access to internet,
0: Mm
2: -hmm. um, as well as limiting people who are trying to work out of their homes. Mm -hmm.
0: So hopefully we can push in that direction. And and Luke, as the as the young person in the room, mm-hmm. uh, what's what's your pitch? What is the pitch to other young people who are thinking to themselves, Ovid, New York? <laughs> really? <laughs> <Library>. We're trying. <laughs> <What>? Yeah. <No. laughs> so what what's the pitch to those people who? It might be Bloomfield. It might be Galen. It might be name your you know pick your small community in, here in the Finger Lakes. Yep. Um, but what's your pitch to that? To that person who maybe they're on the fence or maybe they're way 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 away from the fence
1: uh-huh. um, what's the pitch I would say the the pitch is um, this is almost like a frontier like you're out here and you can build something for yourself and you can learn new skills and you can carve out a market niche that maybe if you were in a big city you know is completely covered but if you were a graphic designer in Ovid that's a much smaller pool of people. <laughs> yeah. You might be, you know, one of two or three, um, you know, people with your specific skill set in this area versus being in a big city where there are thousands and thousands of people just as qualified as you. Um, and I, I think there's also something to be said for the small town community um, and getting to know everybody. I feel like I know everybody in town and really well, you know, and I. I like everyone and I have a relationship with all kinds of people just because they come in every day to the library.
0: And Shannon, obviously, community, crucial to what you uh, what you guys are doing. Um, it, pump up that, that community a little bit because obviously they are a big reason why you guys are able to keep doing what you're doing, right?
2: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, when you have more of a social network within a community, you have better mental, mental health. People are happier. Um, more things get done. People work together. So yeah
0: um, And then my, my, my last question here, uh, how can folks get involved? Obviously stopping in is one thing, but but for the people who want to help you guys with what you're doing with the mission, mm-hmm. um, what's the call to action for those folks who, who are, are interested and want to do it?
2: Well, I mean, first off, there's levels of helping, coming in and volunteering. I mean, that's a big thing. And just be aware, it's, we're a little backlogged right now getting back to people as far as setting up classes just because we're we're just getting started. But and with this whole capital campaign project, we are still about $100,000 short of our goal. So we are still accepting donations to make
0: sure that we can see this through to completion. And how can they make a donation? I want people to go do it right now.
2: Uh, online, ovitlibrary.org. Donate button right on the homepage, right?
1: Yep, absolutely. Yep.
0: Awesome. And then, what is the you know, um, it's a long summer, especially if you have kids. Uh-huh. Um, so what is what, you know, as we sit here and say it's May right now,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: I would imagine programs fill up, and yes. it's not always possible to get in last minute. It's probably a good idea to plan a little bit, think a few yeah. weeks out ahead. Um, is that a good idea? How should they be? How should they be keeping tabs on what's going on so that they can? they can get in and they're not, you know, unfortunately left out. Yep,
2: Uh, Ovidlibrary.org calendar of events is right on there. Definitely wanna apply for any of the youth summer camps. There's no charge for them, they're by donation only, but they do fill up, there is finite space to have a group of kids cooking for a week. So, yeah, they need to do
0: that now. And my last question for both of you, um, one thing that makes you optimistic, not just about what you guys are doing uh, in the Ovid library, but what is happening in in communities like Ovid, uh, where libraries are serving as this sort of mecca of, of activity.
2: Well, I have to say this expansion project right towards the tail end really brought a lot more people into our library because we had to ask all these people that we've never asked before to come in and volunteer and help us. And the end result has been just a stronger community within the library. I mean, not only between staff, but also
0: all the volunteers we kind of sucked in. Yeah, volunteers mm-hmm. and
1: just people who come in regularly and, and help us out. Yeah, it's definitely.
0: Well, I appreciate the time, guys. Obviously, best of luck with everything you're doing. And if you're listening to this right now, go to the Over the Library uh, website and donate. Donate. Help them get to that $100,000 mark, right? Absolutely. Thanks,
1: guys. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.